Welcome everyone. This is Parlay, a podcast about living, learning, and betting on yourself. I'm Kelly McGuire, and I invite you to join me in candid conversations with my inspiring guests. I sit down with CEOs, advocates, parents, writers, artists, yogis, entrepreneurs, the list goes on. Everyone has a story that connects us, and it's my goal to share them with you. What experiences have shaped their lives? What did they define as success and failure? When is the right time to take a risk? And how have they learned to parlay their last move into their next move? These are just some of the topics we cover and so much more. Wherever you're joining us from, welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Parlay. It's a beautiful day here in the Canadian Rockies, and even more so as I am joined today by Northwater founder and CEO, Sawan Logan. After immigrating to Canada via Fiji and Australia, Sawan quickly fell in love with the land and an idea started to percolate after drinking from a natural spring during a hike. That idea is now Northwater, a Canadian company bringing fresh, clean, alkaline spring water to the rest of the country, as well as a message of sustainability and responsibility. Aside from exiting her full-time business development role in the energy sector to go all in, Sawan also dealt with starting up right as the pandemic was shutting everything down. We have so much to discuss. I can't wait to get this conversation started as I'm so in awe of Sawan and the Northwater team and what they've been able to achieve in such a short and challenging time. So, Let's get into it. Hello, Sawan. Hi, Kelly. Thank you. So <laughs> How much are you? Great. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm going to be completely transparent with everybody. And that was take two of the intro because I made a big, big faux pas of something that I already knew about <laughs> Sawan. And I, for some reason, in my intro, wrote that she had immigrated via Bali, which I knew is not true. I think in my mind, maybe I wanted to be there. I don't know what was going on. That's I knew it was Fiji. After you said Bali, I was like, hmm, I want to be in Bali. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe yeah. Maybe subconsciously we were both there and that's just really? what came out when I wrote it. But anyways, Absolutely. to be 100% clear, it was it's not Bali. You came via Fiji that's and right. Australia. They're the full little place. Exactly. Oh, so how are you doing? And thank you for being such a good sport. I asked her, I said, I need to re-record that right away. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking and thank you for having me. It's, it's, uh, it's a great day outside. It's just gorgeous. Yes. And with that, it's, um, you know, it's hard to be disappointed about anything today. Exactly. <laughs> it's a warm and beautiful day like today. So it's just, um, I feel like I'm in Bali just without, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, apparently. <laughs> I think it should be the weather outside. I think <laughs> so. It's so balmy here. It's uh-huh. like, oh, we must be exactly. somewhere very tropical. Yes. yes. Um, oh. Well, I did think that today was such a perfect day. Obviously, it would have been great if we could just be sitting outside recording this, but outside noise isn't so great for that. But such a beautiful day here, and it really made me think of you and the start of Northwater, which we'll get into, but how it all kind of started being out in this beautiful mm-hmm. land that we have surrounding us and and taking it all in. And that was kind of the precipice of the start of of the dream of Northwater. Um, yes. So yeah, it was just such a nice day to have this conversation around that. 
So we were introduced actually by a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. um, and I was at a birthday dinner with her and she said, you know, I've been listening to the podcast. And if you're ever looking for somebody else to have on, you know, a friend of mine has this really amazing story. She started this company called Northwater. And I was like, I know Northwater. <laughs> so she said, oh, well, I'd be happy to introduce you if you want. Yeah. And and she did over email. And then now kind of the rest is history. And here we are. Yeah, yeah no kidding. It's um, it's a small world. It's smaller mm -hmm. than, you know, it feels like it gets it's getting smaller by the day. Do you feel that? Yes. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, yeah, the people, especially now as well, like after pandemic too, you've the context we had with people now have like multiplied for some reason and it's, you know, you haven't seen them in a while and then you see mm -hmm. them and you learn that there's so many other ways we're all connected now. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing. No, it's, it is amazing. And I think we talked about that. Uh, we did have the chance to meet for a quick coffee to say an in-person hello and get to know mm -hmm. each other a little bit. And, uh, since we're both not from Calgary, I think we had a good joke about yes. how it's kind of just like this big little town, which I've said to so many people, but for you especially, yes. you know, this this was a, a big change for you coming to Canada. And now, yes. as you said too, it's you it's like the less than six degrees of separation effectively. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um you're right, it's a it's a big little town. It's it's a welcoming town, it's a place where you know, um, everyone is so excited and, and ready to embrace you. Mm -hmm. It's a town that's easy to adjust in. And it's a, it's a place that um, becomes part of you very quickly. And I think that's mm -hmm. what I love about Canada and, and Calgary in particular, because I felt at home, uh, never thought I'd feel at home. And I when I first decided to move here and I felt at home quicker than I had ever thought. Mm -hmm. And that is um, is very telling of, you know, the people that make this city and make this place. And that probably goes back and ties to our earlier statement of less than six degrees of separation, because it is easy to make those connections. It's not, they're not just people you see, they're actually people who very quickly become a part of your life and your circle. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, very fortunate that I can call this home. Mm -hmm. Well, we're happy to have you here. I'm, ha I'm happy that I also got to be here too, as well. That's great. I love, I love, um, Calgary and this whole part of Western Canada. It's a really special place. Yes. Yeah. Special for many reasons. And for us now also, um, Northwater, the birth of the company and, you know, um, the place where the idea was born as well. So it's so many, so many connections to this place. Um, mm -hmm. the beauty of the mountains and, you know, uh, summer was of course the birth of the idea because that's when you go, when I went hiking and I'm, you know, not a winter hiker, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but some I love being out and it's just such a beautiful time to just be in the mountains and be lost from everything and be so disconnected with the world and yet be connected with something bigger and higher and, and better. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, days like today is just that desire to go back out again. And as you said, couldn't be a perf more perfect day to have this mm -hmm. conversation about how we began in our journey and, you know, it because it's all it all started on a glorious day like this. So it's it's, mm -hmm. it's just ideal. It was meant to be. Meant to be for sure. And so speaking of, you know, water, Fiji, now that I got the right country and my notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Perhaps you can take us on a little uh jaunt down memory lane here and and tell everybody how you came to be here 
I will say there is there is no connection between Fiji water and North water, which I'm sure you get that question a lot. <laughs> I do. I um, and to answer that, I normally joke. I say it's a revenge that I've taken. <laughs> Fiji water was started by a Canadian, yeah, um, you know, Gold Baron, who started Fiji water, came to Fiji, and you know. Fiji is, was has a, has gold mining as part of its economy, and mm-hmm. not too far from there, of course, there's amazing water that's now Fiji water, bottled and sold as Fiji water, and so you know it's a it's definitely a sweet revenge to take to come to Canada and be like I'm going to make Canada water. <laughs> Let's see where we can do, you know, how we can do that. <laughs> it's been sold now to someone else, Fiji Water, obviously. Mm-hmm. For us, um, you know, jokes aside, our journey started um, quite plainly for me. I followed somebody over, um, and the man was my husband, you know, very quickly. We got married, and uh, it was the place to be. Like, you know, the idea was to move here and then move back to Australia. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. Instead, we ended up calling this home. And I'm um, glad we did because now I, I don't see myself living, you know, going back to Australia and, and calling it home the same way. I think mm-hmm. retirement would be great there someday, but the, this has become such a big part of my life. And I see like it's, 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 a, it's very important to me. It's a great place and I love this place, as I said earlier. And so, you know, being in the Rockies and being so close to the Rockies um, in, on a hike, yeah, I did, you know, drink out of a spring, which many would say is a bad idea. And it can be, depends <laughs> where you are. Exactly, you know, yeah. Don't drink out of somewhere downstream of, you know, where you're standing and closer to the road, you'll get beaver fever or something else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take the chance and this is not encouraged, just so you know. <laughs> um, do it at your own risk if you're going to try. And yes. it was an aha moment. And I don't know if the aha moment was a moment that just came from a hot day and, you know, hiking on a hot day can be like, it's quite dehydrating or if it was a moment of just you know touching that cold water because our water here um, is sourced from the mountains uh, whether it's snow melt or it's rain or glacier whatever it is and when you're that high up in elevation and you're touching anything that that cold it's it's that feeling of like it's super cold you would not want to bathe in it but it's that you feel so good and refreshing because you're so hot after that massive climb you've just had and to drink that, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's it's life-changing. And the, mm-hmm. the purity of just the place where I was, the atmosphere and everything was, it was this idea of, like, what would it be to to bottle something so pristine and have the world taste what I have tasted? Mm-hmm. I think that's the part that I was trying to capture. And so the idea behind the aluminum bottle, because the aluminum bottle keeps the water cold, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's got the the aluminum has those properties so it, it allows you to kind of create some of that crispness and the the coldness that the water was but as it was when i had it um and then of course the blue beautiful blue bottle the blue was mm-hmm. in my mind i've always had because my first visit to canada was lake louise and you know moraine lake as you take every other tourist and mm-hmm. of course i went there too and to find that the color was so mesmerizing that I could never get it out of my head. And I wanted to capture that color because mm-hmm. whenever I think of the Rockies, I think of that blue, I think of that. And I thought anyone who's ever been here knows that um, because you cannot come to Western Canada and not visit one of these lakes, one of, you know, this so gorgeous. And so we did that. And um, so putting the bottle, you know, moving away from single-use plastic, so offering something that was renewable, reusable, sorry, 
um, and in a bottle that was we could be proud of was the birth of North Water. Mm-hmm. It's a long story behind the name <laughs> and the colors and everything. But if you ever wondering, if you ever wonder, like why. The blue to white is basically um, what you see when you stand in front of Lake Louise or Moraine or Peto, which is mm-hmm. standing, you're looking at the blue lake and it goes up. White is the glacier. So that is yes. our, our bottle. It's the same thing. It's that blue to white is the glacier um, at the top and, of course, the lake at the bottom. So you see the transition. And we try to capture that transition with the blue, exact blue of the lake. And it can vary sometimes. Mm-hmm. depends on the production run and the print. And then north was, of course, you know, when you think of North, you think of pristine, clean, um, cold, snow, other things you think of North. You know, you think of the South and you think of beach, hot, and, mm-hmm. you know, spicy food. And you think of all things that's related to not necessarily unclean, but you don't necessarily think of like clean, pure, crisp. And that's mm-hmm. what North brings. So it felt like the name was very much meant to be. But it was also um, something that was derived from how, you know, my business partner, Linda, and I, we live our lives as well. You know, um, being raised in a, in a Christian family where we were told, well, you know, North is Northern Star. It's where the three wise men went and found, you know, when they were looking for Jesus and where he was born. So it's this guiding light, a guiding star, a guide, somewhere forward and onward. And so when you think of North, you think forward. And so mm-hmm. this was our journey forward into from something very different, something scary. But this mm-hmm. was it. So, yeah, it all came together perfectly, it felt like. And here we are, two years later. <laughs> here we are. Two, yeah, two years later, launching this beautiful, the, the product is beautiful. Um, the website itself, too, I think you really captured exactly what you were trying to portray for the Thank brand. You. It's a very, yes. very Thank beautiful, you. informative site. And yeah, that's the, I guess, uh, you know, the, t- the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of your story of how it came to be, which we're going to start to dig into a little bit more yeah. now. So yeah, so everybody out there, Northwater, it's, it's all over the place now. Like, I cannot believe the distribution that you've been able to achieve, especially during the pandemic, which effectively the majority mm-hmm. of all of this was, was birthed in, not an easy time to do anything, especially a consumer good where, you know, a lot of bottled water, I think we were talking about in our conversation is, is sometimes, you know, it's, it can be a convenience purchase. Some people purchase it all the time, but a, a big part of it is, you know, people are on the go, they're traveling, they're this, they're that, and they're looking for quality water. And <laughs> how, how did you, how does that start? How do you, how do you start a water company in the midst of, uh, of the pandemonium. Yeah, so I think that was not the plan. Let me tell you this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was certainly not um, in our risk register. It wasn't in our plans. Um, it was a mere ill fate, I would say, or coincidence mm-hmm. or just bad luck that it just happened to be that that time. Yeah. So we really, so because of our bottle, the uniqueness of the bottle and water being, you know, so different than fruit juices and all that, mm-hmm. all the other products that are flavored we didn't have the ability or the luxury to use another facility to bottle our product our water Mm -hmm. so we had to build a facility from basically scratch so we had to put the buy the equipments do equipment build the build the infrastructure to be able to run a bottling plant and that took a while so we started that Mm -hmm. process around october 2019 september october 2019 Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And by the time we were built, our build had completed and we got our permits to operate all our health that we needed, certifications and everything we needed. It happened to be March. So mm. really, we went operational in March. We didn't start the business in during the pandemic. We went, we launched the business during pandemic. Yeah. So that was, I think, the big, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was now looking back and, and sadly, um, you know, we all thought it was going to be over in two weeks and that's yeah. what was going because we had people join our team. They had lost, left their jobs. They didn't really mm-hmm. go look for another job. They're full-time employees. And we thought, well, yeah, okay. So we're all going home for two weeks and we'll come back and reconvene. Yeah. Minor inconvenience. Well, the two weeks turned into months and months and mm-hmm. like, and then to now this, years. Yes. And now years. And, you know, we're still talking about sending your kid to school and mm-hmm. making sure that everybody around them knows that it's, it's just a minor sniffle. It has nothing to do with COVID. <laughs> so we're still talking. We're still, you know, yeah. very, very aware of it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what, what ha- had happened to us. And, you know, and as much as COVID has done so much damage and there's been a lot of things have happened that, I wish never would have happened. There's a lot of things that worked in our favor as well. Like the positive side of it was was lots. And and I think in that positivity, we got the strength to keep moving forward. And mm. some of it was also a later effect as well, where a supply chain was very much disrupted. So that mm-hmm. was something that was going on. So being a local company, we could easily step in to where there was a need for supply chain within Calgary, at least. And that's where we mm-hmm. started. We started planting roots within Calgary because it was what we understood, the market we understood, the places we understood, places I loved going to. And, you know, mm-hmm. my business what I loved going to is other places we thought we'll try first and see if they want to carry our water. Any connections that we had made and it was easier to penetrate the market by taking these baby steps and, you know, mm-hmm. what you might call low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's exactly what we did. And in in doing so, uh, people were more willing at that time to give local businesses. So smaller businesses were more accepting of local businesses. Bigger businesses, not so much. But the smaller mm-hmm. coffee shops and, you know, smaller convenience stores were very excited to work with us. And And that's how we kind of started growing. And as more people came around and started seeing it, it was the year of takeouts. So that helped as well. Because mm-hmm. you can sit in restaurants to eat. So if you went somewhere and you did a takeout, you bought a bottle of water. So, mm-hmm. you know, or a beverage of some kind. So beverage sales just coincidentally um, went up because there was a place. You couldn't serve water out of taps. Mm-hmm. So all these places, like you have a ton of coffee shops within Calgary and restaurants that um, like, you know, some of our pretty awesome places are like Seed and Salt, for example, in Mission, mm-hmm. one of my favorite places for a great Me meals. too. I love going there. Right? They're so mm-hmm. good. And so they always had um, water in jugs. Well, you couldn't do that because of COVID. So Mm -hmm. now if you're somebody who was buying food, you had to buy a beverage. You couldn't just get a free water or free drink of any kind. So here we were. For those who were people who were mindful and were attracted to the bottle, that's how we kind of grew and gained momentum. Mm -hmm. So that was, we were very fortunate that that did, you know, COVID did kind of allow for that. Outside of COVID, I don't think we would have had the same exposure. Would have been a lot harder to get there. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that COVID did, you know, made us all realize is what it meant to not be dependent on bigger companies, because yes. we realized what it meant 
to be in a smaller unit and not be, you know, constantly chasing the Instagram world or the world of, you know, travel that that we advertise and live by and, you know, the big brands. And so it's it's sort of brought us all home mm-hmm. and it brought us closer to, to our more grassroots, to more small businesses, to, you know, what really mattered to us, family and um, versus just this fake world we've lived in for so long, right? Mm-hmm. And so we became a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. It made us aware of our cons- consumption habits, what we ate, what we drank, where it came from, what we were putting in our bodies, whether it was healthy or not for us, because now we were didn't have the luxury of just convenience, f- convenient food. We had mm-hmm. to create things from scratch. Sourdough breads went through the roof. <laughs> At home bakers were like the the stars, and you know mm-hmm. I remember going to Safeway Forever and never being able to find flour mm-hmm. uh, because baking. At home baking became such a thing. So we all decided that, you know, we had a chef in us that wanted to try new things and we had time and the luxury of time to do it. So I think that's when we became more particular about what is it that we're consuming? What are we putting Mm -hmm. in our bodies? Mm -hmm. And that was what gave us legs. Yes. And I think that's actually a great way to kind of segue into a question that I did want to ask, because I'm sure many people are thinking about this as they're listening, is the beverage industry, the bottled water industry in general is a fairly saturated Mm. place. So how did you, I guess, have the guts to say, you don't come from that kind of background either, like in terms of your, of, um, you know, your previous career, which we'll get to as well, because I think it's such an amazing pivot. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what said to you, the world needs this, or at least we, Canada needs to know that this exists. And then the world needs to know this too. How did you, how did you have the fortitude to say, oh, we have this idea for this company. We know that we have many competitors in this space already, but we're going to go for it. Like, w- tell me what that looked like for you. And and Linda, maybe you could talk about your partnership as well and how that came to be. Sure. Yeah, I think um, that's an interesting question because it's a, um, I always joke that, you know, we entrepreneurs are a bit um, crazy because we, <laughs> we have what nobody else can offer. Yes. And so we are always very much, you know, driven by our product that we're putting forward because we have so much faith in it. And hence we dump our life savings to make it happen, right? Um, and so Northwater was no different where I had a lot of faith in, in the product itself. Um, but that aside, like it was driving a change. Um, yeah, there's, you're right. Bottled water is such a saturated market. But we did a study to say how many people actually knew or could name a Canadian brand of water. And mm. people could like Nestle was an, a very common name people came up with. Um, and they thought Nestle was Canadian. Uh, and Nestle does source their water from Canada. So, yeah, okay, partly true. But, the you know, Nestle's origin isn't Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one would ever think of Nestle being Canadian in the world. Um, there was not a single person that we kind of talked to. And some people were like, never thought about it at all. So they didn't even have a response. And so that clearly showed that, there's room here. There's mm-hmm. room. We're not, we're not, yes, we're competing with Coca-Cola, but we're not. Um, yes. We're not because we're not selling our brand. We're selling Canada. We're selling mm-hmm. something that's Canadian. Um, you know, our bottles, Coke still has their bottles in plastic, with their water in plastic bottles. We were away from that. We're moving away. And having a peeve and, you know, my business partner is somebody who doesn't buy water at all. Um, 
and I have a peeve against plastic, single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. It was you had to be the change, or you could sit and wait for someone to drive the change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've recently heard announcements of the plastic ban that's coming our way. Plastic bottle is not mentioned in there because no mm-hmm. one, no government wants to take a stand against Pepsi and Coke. Is the reality? Yeah. It's easy to go after the straw guy. It's easy to go after the small pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're not going to ask Coke to go and remove everything off the shelves. Yeah, by a certain time here and replace it all with aluminum or any other, you know, environmentally friendly option. So mm-hmm. you won't. So that gives, you know, it becomes a David versus Goliath story. You know that, you know, you're, you're Goliath in this whole picture or David in this whole picture. So you're fighting Goliath. You know you're mm-hmm. David in this picture, but you don't know if you're going to come out with <laughs> like a winner yeah. or not. You don't know that because yeah. this Goliath that you're dealing with, um, it's it's they're big and you know mm-hmm. they're big and they're much bigger than you and they'll come after you in, in various ways that you'd never think about. So mm-hmm. you know um, the strategy we took was that we don't want to be a coke. That's mm-hmm. not who we are. We're not a coke. We don't want to be a coke. Um, mm-hmm. So, but that said, the market is so huge. There's room for many players. Mm-hmm. As saturated as it is, there is room. And we are noticing that Canadians are becoming more like Europeans, where mm-hmm. for the longest time, North Americans didn't care about water they drank because they Dasani and Aquafina, most people can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there is. There's I a, can't. we talked about that i will i will walk to a different place in the airport if i'm looking for water if if there's only certain brands available because you're basically paying for tap water tap water yes and tap water it's like and and so that's the thing it's 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 the the mineral composition of water has never been top priority for us and Mm -hmm. that has been something in europe that people care about is like what is their water what's in their water Yes. You think about that from a food perspective. Now, what's in your food is a, is a big question people ask. You know, label mm-hmm. reading has become a thing. But for some reason, we think that all water is equal and it's not. And so I think that's where we stand out and we want to make a difference. And so for us, it's it's creating a difference through education. It's creating a difference through our values. It's creating, you know, making a difference through just putting out something that people want to stand behind mm-hmm. because it aligns with them. So mm-hmm. I think we've got it. That was those were the the you know that was a thought pattern then, and it still is. Um, yeah, in a saturated market, we're still trying. We're still trying, you know, vying for attention. And I know I'll never get into a Rogers Arena or something because Coke will never let me. But that's okay. Uh-huh. Like that's okay. Someday, someday, someone's going to stand up and say, "No, we don't want it. Mm-hmm. We don't want a Dasani. We don't want to play for plastic." And at that point. Either Coca-Cola has to make a change or, you know, the arena, the stadium guys will have to make a change. But some there will be a shift and that shift's coming. And so mm-hmm. we're ahead of the curve. We're, we're starting that shift. Mm-hmm. How it looks at us. And so how, how did you and Linda get started on this? Maybe you could talk. I know that she's kind of like a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But the two of you started this together. And as you said, she may be even uh, like a non, a not likely person to get into this industry with you. So how did you guys come together to start this? So um, Linda and I met during um, our time on the board of a charity. So we both used to volunteer our time and um, we met 
when she was still pregnant with her first child and was about to go on mat leave and I was just coming on the board. And uh, there was a friendship that was formed based on our values, like who she is and, um, you know, and how I interact and how I conduct myself and how she conducts herself. And and we started a, you know, there was a bond and there was obviously a friendship and it was her, um, Fiana, our mutual friend, yes. um, and a few other people um, within, this, within the place that we all volunteered that, that we became good friends, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the difference between us and the rest of them were Linda and I are both in oil and gas. She worked for a competitor of ours, of mine. And so we're both competitors across the street from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to meet up all the time and go for lunches and talk about doing something meaningful in life, creating something, leaving a legacy behind. And Linda has two little girls. And so her driver was a lot more than just that. She moved to Canada as a refugee. And, you know, uh, she's built her life. Her parents have built a life for them. And of course, now her and her sister are very successful, two, two very successful women raising children. And how do you show to them that, you know, um, you can be anything you want to be mm-hmm. as a first, you know, as when you're the first generation of immigrant immigrants in a country? It's a lot about survival. It's about not taking the risk. It's about finding steady, stable jobs that's, you know, that can help you build and grow and maintain because you realize what it's like to not have to leave everything behind and to start fresh. But once you've get, got there, how do you make sure that your kids and the generation after can be more free to make choices and to, to follow their passion and to go do something? And I think for her, it was creating that legacy through her own doings, her own actions. So her girls could see that. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I'm speaking on her behalf. She might have something different to say to it, but I know like having spoken to her and we've been in conversations before and and that's generally the you know the sentiment Mm -hmm. right and it was Mm -hmm. the same for me for me it was um again like you know doing something that I actually could look back and be like I created it um you know I've worked towards it and I've I've I read something the other day and it stuck to me because I was like that's exactly the words I've been looking for it wasn't about finding something that was going to make me happy. It was about finding something that was going to be bigger than me, that was going to enlarge, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. create this something that was magnificent, that was uh, that was uh, not necessarily tied to a sentiment like happiness, but something that was going to make my life better. Mm-hmm. And this was it. So, yeah, I mean, there's happy and bad days and sad days both in here. Mm-hmm. But every day is fulfilling. Every day is better than yesterday. Every day makes me feel like I've done something better than yesterday. And that mm-hmm. feeling of like that larger than life feeling of, you know, that level of excitement, that level of, yeah, I've made my life better today. Mm-hmm. My life is better today. And everything I do is is in that direction is worth more than happiness. Mm-hmm. And how did you know it was time to make the transition from your full-time steady job to go all in on this because that is such a huge decision to make and you also you had a lot of had a lot on the line for yourself going into this in terms of the investment and as you were talking about earlier the the bottling plant like there there is mm-hmm. so much that goes into the quality of this product yeah, that's such a huge leap. How how did you know when the right time to make that leap was? <laughs> yeah, I think it was twofold. One was um, the goal was I was going to come on first, and then Linda was going to come on coming on later. But I was going to come in on a 
on a short term scale and then go back to work and she was going to run it longer because she was ready to quit faster than i was mm-hmm. um but it so happened uh with her role we're both accountants she was a practicing accountant and so she was asked by a company to take them in through yeah so that delayed her arrival into the company so what i did instead was i was the first person to come and start working here and in doing so i realized that there was no breathing room <laughs> that we had construction going on at the back we hadn't even started bottling yet and we had construction going on and the door was like a revolving door it would swing open every second and the phone wouldn't stop ringing mm-hmm. and in just being there you're like i can't keep up i won't be able to do my full time job and do this there was no way we could have done mm-hmm. that um so that was the first realization that oh my goodness this is bigger than we thought and this is this actually requires bodies here you either have to pay somebody or you have to do it on your own mm-hmm. and when you're a startup you don't have the financial the luxury of money to go hire people so you have to do it yourself and um and in doing so you also find it it's so much more exciting to do it because you're like you're running around you're busy but it's a good busy it's a good excitement uh, you know good kind of that stress it's a, it's a, everything's great so you want to keep that going that adrenaline going So that was the one reason and then the second thing was um before we knew we had a lot of friends and family who were like oh I'd love to be a part of that I'd mm-hmm. love to be a part of what you're doing and so even without wanting to raise money we started raising money and I realized that if I were I knew I was always going to need money I'd have to go back to the market again and get money again and of mm-hmm. course different investor groups whether it was going to be friends and family or financial institutions at some point or institutional money of some kind I knew that was going to come and it was going to be very hard to not be able to stand behind what I'm doing and expect someone else to have that faith mm-hmm. um in the product and so that was the other reason why i decided like you know we both decided we had to be here full time not just the workload but also the product we were building was something that was worth standing behind and worth um you know showing the world that we were willing to take the risk and if they were going to put their trust in us it's because we were willing to do it for ourselves as well so the two things were the uh, real reason why we decided we had to go all in And then pretty much as soon as you started rolling all of that out like you really started to get into it in terms of like the bottling like the plants been built and this and that and you've onboarded a bunch of people as you said earlier the pandemic hits. Yes, and then yeah. like how did you weather through that? Yeah, so again like you know in the hopes that it was going to end and it didn't end there was a part of me that was never stressed about it for some reason. And I don't know why i never once felt like oh my goodness now what mm-hmm. um i and i don't know if it's my i am a i am very optimistic as a human maybe it was that or maybe it was it felt like that we were still building and it gave us the opportunity to build and learn mm. this is just being thrown in the in the fires like we mm-hmm. had but it what it felt like in december 2019 and january 2019 i felt like oh my goodness how are you going to how are we going to keep up like this is just going crazy we just signed up our first customer Fairmont Bem Springs we signed up Lena's which is also our first customer and has mm-hmm. like plans and Safeways giving us the opportunity like now what like how are we going to do this um to actually the pandemic allowed us to slow down and learn our business and kind of be like oh these are the pitfalls we need to avoid oh these are the things we need to do to set up so that mm-hmm. gave us some relief at the end and i think neither one of us were financially strapped 
uh, we weren't another one of us were earning an income we weren't we didn't mm-hmm. get paid and we still don't get paid uh, but it didn't matter because we didn't need financially we were both we had both had healthy families that supported us and was a you know we didn't need we weren't dependent on the revenue that came from north water to pay for our lifestyle and mm-hmm. our cost of living so we had that luxury and i, I think a lot of people may or may not have that mm-hmm. so if you don't have a strong financial backing or a financial support at home it's impossible to to survive um the pandemic and everything else so we had the luxury to be able to you know take the small amounts of money we were making in in just meeting up our costs well it sounds like you had a very good approach during what could have been a very very <laughs> chaotic time in the world for most businesses especially startup in an industry that neither one of you were familiar with so hats off to you for being able to keep it together i don't think i would have been so calm cool and collected <laughs> Yeah, I making my way it. through that. Yeah. So another question that I had, and we did talk a little bit about this, but again, I think maybe something people are curious about is obviously going with the aluminum bottles, having sustainability be a big, big part of the brand. And I know this was a question that I asked you, and I'm just going to ask it again. Um, yeah. Is and I know the answer, but I want you to share your that the answer you gave me because I thought it was a profound way of. Um, moving forward and kind of paying it forward is so you're in the bottled water industry you have created a bottle that you are encouraging people to reuse Mm -hmm. are you working against yourself in putting out a product that you're encouraging people to utilize again like I guess it's not really the same as asking them to continuously come back to the well so to speak right so yeah and so again like you know for people who don't may not know this people buy water out of convenience so 75% mm-hmm. studies show that 75% of consumers buy water out of convenience so you're thirsty you're on the go mm-hmm. you forget as well forget as well bottle bottle at home or any other bottle that you may use contigo cup or whatever you use mm-hmm. and you're stuck at a gas station what do you do you buy go inside and you buy a bottle of water and generally mm-hmm. you buy the cheapest bottle because you just want water um and that's that's pretty typical So mm-hmm. if 75% of people are going to buy out of convenience and forget their bottles at home their you know reusable bottles then we want to be that 75% when you do mm-hmm. reach that market is what we want but that said like you know when I'm drinking out of the tap right now yeah. <laughs> and I do drink out of the tap I drink filtered water out of the tap and it's something I want you know we encourage people to do and hence the reusability component is mm-hmm. drink out of the tap when it's safe to do so We are fortunate that we live in the con- in a country where many can drink out of the tap safely without being mm-hmm. you know um worried about cholera or any other form of waterborne disease mm-hmm. if and if you have that luxury we should and so the reusability is part of that um mm-hmm. I also look at us being you know like places where we do sell and for mothers who have parents with children I shouldn't just say mother's parents with kids. Um you know you sell your kid send your kid to school with a bottle water bottle the bottle doesn't come home you know. Yes. <laughs> True. Been there done that. Well, it's nice to not give them another plastic bottle because that's the convenient thing to do because plastic leaches into your water and then into your body and who wants that for their child. Um Yes. So the aluminum bottle allows them to take it, reuse it, and yeah, if they forget it, it's a three dollar bottle. It's not a thirty five dollar swell or something very expensive that you know breaks my heart when I lose it. 
So I think that's that's kind of, you know, for if you want to, since we want to walk the true path of sustainability, we want people to reuse. We want that. It's, uh, um, you know, our values are around that. Our values are to make the world a better place. It's not to mm-hmm. add to the waste. Yes. So, yeah, of course, you don't encourage people to come back. But those who like you, those who know your water, those who buy out of convenience will always come back. So, and we're content with that. Well, and I think that it's a great message for the consumer to say, we know you're probably not living on cases of North water. You know, most people don't live on bottled water, so to Mm -hmm. speak, like there are some, but um, to say, when you have a choice, know that we're the company that's trying to make the responsible choice. And you're also, I would argue, offering a premium product to the market in terms Mm -hmm. of where you sit within the category of your competitors. Yeah, so we are a premium product for sure. We don't want to become a household name. I don't want someone buying flats and flats just to drink at home because that Mm -hmm. to me is like you're not reusing and that goes against our values. And then you're hopefully recycling, which we do recycle and aluminum recycles really well. So we're fortunate Mm -hmm. for that. But it's still, it's like, you know, you've got access to clean drinking water, then go for the tap and go for a better alternative than just creating and creating more and more waste. Um, on our bottles, I don't know if you've seen or not, mm-hmm. but our slogan is rethink refresh. And that's the the reason why we say rethink refresh. It just it's two words, but they're very impactful in my mind. Um, you have to rethink your choices. You should mm-hmm. always rethink your choices. You know, complacency is a is a is is such a lazy way of living, but we're it's just human nature at the same time. So you know, if you go back and you look at something, you should always think about what option you're making and you know refresh of course we're trying to get people to buy more water but it's not just rethinking from a packaging standpoint it's also rethinking from knowing that what you're drinking and what does it actually have in it that's a benefit to you or not right Mm -hmm. Um, same goes out with like if you're somebody who's not health conscious and you are okay buying something that's high in sugar that's fine that's your choice but if you have the ability to rethink what you're consuming i think everybody should pause everyone should stop and take that you know fraction of a second to be like what do i really want to support in my life and how have you and linda found you know this is something that i was thinking a little bit about more after our conversation um, cause you're constantly on the go, right? Like mm-hmm. we met, you had just flown in, you were like, going to fly out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Obviously now that the world has opened up and allowed you, um, you know, to share Northwater more with the world, uh, specifically within Canada. How have you and Linda found navigating the space as female founders? I'm, I'm just always curious because I, you know, we've ha- I've had a few on the podcast and it just seems to be, a little bit of a different climate depending on what industry you're in. Yeah, um, somebody asked me this question last week and we, I was just having, a. it was a general conversation I was having mm-hmm. and I made a statement on it and I said, we as a world are ready, yet we're not ready. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we'd like to think we are ready. Um, we'd like to think we're ready for, you know, having an open playing fields for regardless of gender and regardless of who we are, our color and our race or whatever divides us, right? Or differentiates us even physically. Mm-hmm. But we're not. Um, we're not ready for that. And I think that the world has a long ways to go still. And, you know, it's 
this is not has nothing to do with conscious choices that people are main, making. These are all unconscious biases, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know that they're in us and we don't realize that we're acting from it. Um, I think there will come a day and I don't think I will maybe be around to see it or maybe I hope I will be because of how drastically things are changing. Um, I sure hope I, I will be a part of that, that, you know, we need to stop labeling and branding. We need to see a product as a product. We need to see a person as a person. We need to see mm-hmm. an idea as an idea. It's not, you know, and when, and this is, I think, something that needs to be resolved from up down top down can't really do mm-hmm. much from like you could try bottom up but i think it's a top down thing you know when you have your your systems marginalizing people when you have your systems that decide no we'll create grants for women who are colored or we'll create grants for women who are of this particular color and not this color and we're going mm-hmm. to create grants for women who are only in tech and not this i realize that we have a you know a finite resource um group available resources available to us finite number of resources and that's what we're allocating but instead mm-hmm. you know for me the best day would be when i wake up and we are like we've got 10 million as a government to give away and it's going to the ideas the best ideas that could be at the table mm-hmm. and it won't matter who it bring who brings those ideas to the table it won't matter if you're male or female it wouldn't matter and it's the same with businesses as well where a business looks at a product and says that's what my consumer wants versus saying mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to give you a chance or, you know, company like, you know, men have been known, unfortunately, to receive money. And we, we see it to this date, um, you know, they get investments, they get a lot of things on an idea. Whereas we women, we have to stand and justify our own existence. We have to stand and justify what we have done to deserve the recognition. Men never have had to do what they they've never had to stand and justify why they deserve the recognition. They just mm-hmm. show up and they get recognized for putting an idea forward. Mm-hmm. Whether it's materialized or not, it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? So so we're we're constantly navigating that. And I think we've got a long ways to go. Um, you know, and as I said, it's it's not to I couldn't pinpoint and say you are somebody who's doing this to us. I can't. It's not mm-hmm. something I can ever do. And but it's it it's it's a real it's a real challenge. And I don't think I had ever faced that in oil and gas even though many people would have had similar experiences. I was very fortunate, and I don't think Linda was somebody either who had that. I think for the most part, we were fortunate to work for organizations that looked at what somebody brought to the table versus who brought it to the table, at least in my experience. And I think that's not the world um, you know, we're into, not, not as a consumer product, because consumer products are mostly men. Mm-hmm. The beverage industry is mostly men. So mm-hmm. there's very few women in the industry that are, so you're not just butting heads against Coca-Cola and Pepsi, but also butting heads against, you know, every other male out there who's, because women, we're supposedly, the best thing for us to do is to go home and make granola bars in our kitchen, you know. Oh, yes, yeah, so we did muffins. talk about that when people yeah. asked you, why are you launching this product and not something else? Yeah, yeah, why would you launch water? Why not just start something small, like making a cake in your cupcake in a kitchen or something? And, and it's offensive. Oh, it's yeah. very offensive because, you know, you're, I mean, the men, there's some great bakers out there who are men. Nobody tells them that they should go fix a car instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Somehow. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you and Linda took the plunge together and yes. uh, are creating this phenomenal 
phenomenal company. And I want you to toot your own horn a little bit here. So tell us some stats. How, where can we find you? How many, how many places are carrying Northwater now? Tell us yeah, about it. About 2,400 stores. It's amazing. Uh, yes, uh, we can be found in many coffee shops. Like if you're within Calgary, you're, you're at uh, Phil and Sebastian, Analog, 98 Foods carries us, so Devil's Chachi's, Hula, Dirt Belly, that kind of, all of those mm-hmm. amazing places, Seed and Salt, we talked about. We're in so many places in Canmore, as you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and that's Canary has us. Um, JK Bakery has us. And Community carries mm-hmm. us. The ice cream bus carries us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I haven't been in the ice cream bus yet this year, but I will check it out when I go. <laughs> yes, there you go there. Check us out. Malcolm Hotel carries us. Fairmont yes. Springs, Chateau Lake Louise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen them there because those are, yeah. those are you know, especially sticking close to home. Those were the places we would go over the past few years. And yes, yes a very, very prominent showing. Uh, yeah, lots of places, locally. lots of Calgary co-ops and, and across Canada as well. So we're in like Whole Foods across Canada. Mm-hmm. So that's another place. So um, growing slowly and we're, we're coming up and, you know, you won't find us in a convenience store, unfortunately. We're not a convenience store brand. We're generally in places where water, North Water is the only option for water. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the people who are more willing to give us a chance as mm-hmm. well. So it's, it's some of that too, where, uh, you know, as I said, a place like Seed and Salt, which puts out really good food. So they care about the other products that they yes. buy too, right? Um, Canela, which is a place in, a vegan place in Inglewood, if you're a vegan, like mm. it's a great place to go get pastries. I have a vegan friend and, he said to me, um, he's Swiss, and he said he hadn't had uh, a croissant that was vegan that he actually enjoyed and was so much in love with it. So if you're a vegan, you know, like places, special places that care about what they put out to their customers, mm-hmm. carry us. So if you mm-hmm. have a special place that, you know, cares about uh, what they produce and who they service and, you know, cares about everything they do and with a passion, send us our way. I would love to work with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think it's so incredible. Um, Actually, the podcast that just came out this past week, which by the time this one airs, it'll be a few weeks ago now, but um, a friend of mine, Dr. Kate Hunter, who has opened this uh, wellness for all style naturopathic clinic uh, so that those that are underserved are able to access Mm -hmm. naturopathic care, which is generally quite expensive. Um, She was saying too that working with smaller businesses, smaller companies, it's incredible the amount of give and support that they have. Um, You would think that because they're small too, that maybe they wouldn't have as much to give or they'd be reluctant, whether it's to give samples or bring you on board or this or that. Mm -hmm. And very similar sentiment to what you're saying is that that small local business community or even just small, whether it's national wide type business community are the ones that are really kind of rooting for each other and everybody just kind of helps pull each other up when you need it and support each yeah. other. I think we, we recognize our struggles. Our struggles are so much closer to home versus mm-hmm. if you have a bigger organization because when you're, when you're a bigger company, the struggles have been dealt with way before your arrival and mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't experience the struggles. It's too many layers for you to really understand a, your own contributions and secondly, what the real struggles are for a company. You never hear them. So you have mm-hmm. no connection to those. Whereas when you have risked everything you have to start something, and with the one thing we all small businesses have is not just the, you know, this risk, like attitude to take on this risk, but we're all change makers because we're willing to risk it all to drive a certain change. 
that we mm. feel need, is needed and and we know what it takes to get there or to even start something so it's easy to understand another person um and where they're coming from or where another business is coming from so yes you're more likely to root for them you're more likely to kind of you know cheer them on but also do anything to make them successful like i um mentor other entrepreneurs i make time out take time out to just talk to them because i realize that they or i don't want them making the same mistakes i made and uh and if i can share my insights and make sure that they can or connect them to somebody that can help them i'm more than willing to because those are the things i know i needed i know what $10,000 meant to me as an investment i know what that 10 minutes of phone conversation meant to me when i first started i know what those linkages meant when someone said yes let me connect you to somebody that i know that can help you out here it's it's all about that it's all about the community it's all about the network and smaller businesses are more willing to to build that because mm-hmm. we we realize that we need each other mhm and i hope um, we remain that for sure and speaking of a, a question i was going to ask you and you just kind of started to talk about it so what do you think the best lesson that either you have learned as an entrepreneur or somebody shared with you that helped you has been Yeah so the best lesson i learned was from actually my first trade show that we did before you know we only had a few products in hand and we weren't really we were still waiting for health canada to come and alberta health to give us the go ahead so we couldn't really produce to sell but we could produce to showcase and consume and i went to a trade show in february 2020 like feb 22nd or something just a week or two before lockdowns Yeah. And uh, I met a competitor who was extremely pleased with our product and was like, "Oh, I got to take it to my headquarters to show it to them and blah blah blah." So he took a product of ours and he's a very big player, a competitor, and he said to me, he was one of the guys who started the company. And he was an older gentleman who had retired and was still part on the board of the board. And he said to me, said, "I asked him, I said, you know, what could you tell me not to do?" And he said to me, "Never sell your product for a loss." He said, "Even if it means 1 cent less." He's like make sure always keep your worth your product's worth and your worth. So he's like don't ever compromise on that because he's like once you do you never know how to come back up. And sometimes people make that mistake in the hopes of like you know what if I sell for 5 cents less I'll get 20 other people buy my product. But those 20 other people will never be willing to pay you 5 cents more down the road and it's harder to go get that 5 cents more because everything goes up with you know cost mm-hmm. go up they really go back down and so once you've established a loss you continue to make losing money to lose money and i thought that was actually very valuable for me as a entrepreneur who you know was still learning and was hungry to sell mm-hmm. uh, i remind myself every time of that that i have to make at least even if i make a cent i'm like i feel like okay i've made a cent i'm never going to lose money on my product mm-hmm. what what my goal has been um and so that was a very valuable lesson and then my second lesson was which was i think more valuable than the money side of things was uh to never compromise who the values of our company to always go back and tie ourselves to why we started this and keep that alive no matter what we do so you know we we keep that alive with our relationships with the products that we come up with or anything it's it's keeping that as to why I always remember my why so important And you have done so much betting on yourself, which is obviously the premise of the podcast. You've moved to several countries, you've started in different industries. 
have you always been somebody that is confident in yourself, in your bets, or is this something that's grown throughout time or is it innate in you? You know what? I think it's, um, I don't know if it's, a, I think it's, it's there. It's innate in me. I don't think it's a, it's a thought. I don't think it's a conscious decision. I just think it happens. Mm-hmm. It's silly as it sounds. I don't think I plan to be that. It just, just happens. I'm like, now that you've said it, I've never looked at myself as somebody who was <laughs> always like 20 countries. And, but at that moment, I think I live in the moment so much that in the moment it's like, yeah, it's the right thing to do. So I do it without like thinking, hold on, what am I really mm-hmm. doing here for the next 20 years? Right. Um, I'm always in, and I always think if I didn't do it, am I going to look back and say, I should, should have done it. So I live, I live in the moment a lot, which is good and bad. <laughs> it's easy for me to pack up and go because I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. what's the harm, right? What's the, what's the worst that could happen? So yeah, I think that's just my, in my nature, unfortunately, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's unfortunate. I think uh, it's funny because for me, sometimes I, I find I'm the opposite where I can think myself out of something before I even get started. So I would much rather learn to be more more like you <laughs> and just go well, for it on the regular. <laughs> yeah, do not overthink. Like, that's my thing. I'm like, overthinking is the worst thing somebody can do, right? And, yes. But yeah, sometimes you're like, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. And and then what? Okay, the worst happens, and then what? Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's it's a it's yeah. So I don't know. I think sometimes it's just okay to get up and go. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't always have to have a lifelong plan on everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel <laughs> like you're wrapping up all of my closing questions into one. We have okay. usually yeah. ask for like a mantra or a quote or a lesson. You've just given me two excellent examples. Um, I do usually ask people uh, when we close out uh, in the present moment, what are three things that you're grateful for? Oh, there's so much to be grateful for. But if I had to pick my top three, I'm certainly grateful for just the support I've received. I'm so grateful for the champions that have stood by me and continue to champion us. Couldn't ask for more. I'm grateful for Linda, my business partner, every day. Like I don't think I could have come this far without her and I don't think she gets enough recognition for everything she does and that's huge for me and I'm, finally I'm just grateful for for my own existence and my own health I'm very fortunate that I I can you know get up every morning and still go and um and not have to think about you know anything that's debil- debilitating or anything like that so I'm I'm very fortunate that I'm blessed with good health and yeah but the three things I'd have to choose, it would be that. But there's a lot more. My yes. gratitude list is always very long. <laughs> well, that is very good. <laughs> and last but not least, what is the big dream for the future? I know you say you live in the present, but obviously as an entrepreneur and you start a company, and I know that this has the legacy piece to it, What what is the big dream for Northwater? The or for yourself, just personally, however you yeah, want to look at it. Yeah, so for, for Northwater, I think um, the most satisfying thing I back in the day I would find was when I would see somebody walking with a bottle. And mm-hmm. I still have a lot of satisfaction. So much, you know, I get so excited when I see, I call it bottle in the wild. Yeah. When I see walking <laughs> with it, you know. And mm-hmm. so for me, I think my biggest dream and the most satisfying day would be when it comes to, my, to Northwater would be when – a Canadian travels abroad and says, I'm from Canada. And they'll say, Northwater. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I hear about Fiji. When I tell somebody from, I'm from Fiji and they're like, Fiji water. Mm-hmm. It's the only association most people have of Fiji water. I'd like that to become North water. When someone says I'm from Canada and they're like, oh, North water. Mm-hmm. So that would be, that's the goal. That's what I'm building Canada, North water to be. Um, a brand that's going to outlive me, a brand that's going to be sustainable, not just from a packaging standpoint, but sustainable in its values and in, in how it just, just a brand that will live and mm-hmm. to be the brand that people can associate with Canada. Well, I think you have an incredible story. You are doing just an impeccable job representing Canada in the beverage industry. Oh, I that's so sweet. A per- I'm a personal consumer of Northwater. <laughs> it is a fantastic product, not only because of the quality of the product, but because of everything that the company stands for and its element of legacy for sustainability and responsibility to our beautiful land that we get to call home here. Yes, so fortunate. Yes. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to to share your story. I feel like we, we could have gotten into so much more as well. And I felt like I, I felt bad asking some of the same questions I had asked you before, but I just wanted to share this with everybody because I think it's thank so important you. to highlight people who, you know, are not only starting their own businesses, but you really did so on your own, um, you know, started in a completely new industry, an industry that's not uber welcoming uh, in some respects. And to you and Linda, just hats off to both of you. I think that you're doing a phenomenal job and Canada should be proud to have Northwater as uh, something to represent it. Yeah, it's our pride as well. It's our Canadian pride. And we both call Canada home very proudly, even though neither one of us were born here. Mm -hmm. And we hope we can continue that. And uh, yeah, we're, as I said, very grateful to be even on this show. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was really nice just having this conversation, sharing our story and just being able to be heard. And uh, that means a lot as well. And, you know, I look forward to anyone who's listening who wants to reach out. I'd love them to reach out. And if they feel like they just want to go for a coffee and hear something or just, you know, have an idea and want to know how to take it off the ground, more mm-hmm. than welcome to to have a conversation. It's, it's always nice to be able to support someone else in their journey, whatever that looks like. So, yeah, mm-hmm. find us. And yes. our website is drinknorthwater.com. Um, there's an info email in there, and I personally monitor the info email because I love the, you know, the reach that people have, and they connect us out of nowhere, call us out of nowhere. So do so. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So well, oh, you're more than welcome. And I will have all of that information in the show notes on the Parlay podcast website. So you can click on the link wherever you're basically streaming from and it should bring you there and you can learn more about Northwater and their story. And um, yes, thank you for thank you for taking the time today. So on. it was so, so nice to speak with you again. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, everybody, we will see you again soon. Take care in the meantime. Thank you everyone for joining me in sharing these connected conversations. If you're enjoying Parlay, I encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, share it on social media. Your support is the biggest compliment we could receive. And be sure to like, follow, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit the Parlay website for notes and links from today's episode and all previous episodes. And join me next week as we continue to journey on with inspiring individuals and learn invaluable lessons for betting on yourself.